some of our some of our best theology is found in songs that we sing some of our worst theology as well but let's stick with the best theology today this song has amazing theology packed into it there are three verses the second verse is almost never heard because it's very very awkward um, the reason is it was written in French the entire song back in 1854 I believe but it is in that that area and the French to English of the second verse doesn't really flow to be honest it doesn't flow that much in French either but we're going to take a look at each of the verses one per Sunday Lord Welling let's remind ourselves of the the lines in that first verse the stars are brightly shining this is the night of our dear Savior's birth long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth I want to talk about holy first let's open ourselves up to the concept of holy and all that entails I don't know how far back you'd have to go in human history to find the tendency of human beings to take what is holy and sweet and lovely and coarsen it and sully it make it dirty throw in a double entendre or two I don't think it's a modern impulse I believe it probably goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden somehow but it seems that human beings have a lot in common with crabs you may not know the story and you will always find people no matter what you you say that'll say ah, I don't know this. but fishermen that I've talked to that go for crabs they say that you you don't start the bucket until you get at least two crabs because if you start with one he'll climb out I'm saying he it's a very sexist thing I assume a crab is most crabby people I've met are men so I'm just I'm going going with a stereotype type here but if you put two or more crabs in the bucket none will escape because as soon as one gets close the others will pull it down so you never need to put a lid on it the others will make sure no one succeeds and I saw this in action shortly after we came back to America in the, the late 80s mid 80s somewhere in there and we lived in Ohio and there's a there's an area in southeastern Ohio which is it's fascinating to me because there's a line and suddenly you're in Appalachia and on one side of the line it's fish on the other side it's fish and it's it they're just five or ten miles dividing and it uh, and it's a cultural thing there and on the other side of the line there was a high school that asked if I would come down uh, as a therapist in that area and give a, a couple of weeks of just roundtable talks to some of their young ladies now, these young ladies were young ladies who were either pregnant while still in high school or they'd already given birth and they, the whole idea was we have to find a way to keep them in school so I drove down to Logan Ohio and as again on the other side of that line and and talked to them and one of the things that I asked them was I said what would you like to do with your life and sadly as we go around the table almost all of them just wanted their own trailer and uh, their you know to get on public assistance somehow and they would they were just very blunt about it uh, and they would you know to marry or, or or not or whatever but it was all very very small dreams and then I got to one and the others and she was blushing a bit and the others started going oh go on tell him tell him go on tell him and she said she would love to become a veterinarian now in Ohio that's harder to do than becoming a medical doctor 
because the Ohio State University Vet Pro School is so highly regarded, it is super hard to get in. And here's this young lady in a very impoverished part of the state who is saying that's what she would like to do. And the others were ribbing her for it, but I kept talking to her about how this could happen and how this could be made to, you know, if we just laid out a plan. Well, the next week, I was supposed to come down two weeks in a row, uh, and I went down the next week. By the next week, she had given up on her dream because she'd been shamed out of having a dream. We tend to grab what is holy and good and pull it down. And there's something wrong about that, a lot wrong with it. It seems that we as humans fear that if one of us shines, that'll show the weaknesses of the others, our scars and our failures. So we've got to find some way to tear them down. If somebody's rejoicing, we need to bring up pain. We need to bring up how wrong that is to rejoice. It's rather like those um, reporters who every Thanksgiving will run around and say, the average cost of the Thanksgiving meal has gone up this much this year. Really? You've been following me about? I don't think so. And then they'll do things like, this is how many calories are in it. And we're all, you know, it's, I don't know about you, but the mandatory government put the calories up there on the menu has stolen a lot of my joy. So I have become a, a menu atheist. I don't, I just don't believe in, in these numbers. I, 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 I have a higher deity uh, and therefore, you know, be unto your own. But I can remember when I was a boy, we'd drive by these massive houses every now and then. My dad would always go, oh, I wouldn't want you to even give me one of those. I'd hate to pay the taxes. And inside, I'm just a little kid, and I'm going, I'd give it a go. <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd like to try that. You'll see models, and, and people will go, oh, you know, we're all women, don't look like that. And my thought is, well, some do, but you could argue it may not be worth all the effort. That's their full-time job, mind you. But what, what are people doing? They just, they don't like to see others succeed for some reason. And then we shout at each other in Senate floors, and we yell at each other in politics, and we scream at each other online behind our anonymity. There's just something very wrong here. Maybe they don't understand what the song says next. Long say, lay the world in sin and ever pining till he appeared. Here it is. And the soul felt its worth. What are people worth? Well, there's a concept in sociology and psychology called utility potential. And not to, not to uh, slander our teens, but it is usually used about teens. And that is, we tend to form friendships based on what that person can do for us. But that's more frequently in adolescence than in later life. For example, uh, if the cool kid likes me, I get to sit at the cool table. I might get to hang out with the cool kids and go to the cool parties. It's that whole concept of what can they do for me. If there's utility potential, you lock on to the new friend. Most of us grow out of that. Some people never do. If we do grow out of it, it's because we, we develop something called affection. And we look for points of commonality rather than weaponizing differences and attacking each other. Maybe we need to, to get a concept called the preciousness of others. And just brand that into our hearts. We spent months looking at thin places. So we should, we should have an idea of the holy. 
and how holiness can intersect with us on a daily basis if we have our eyes open for it. In many ways, it is true. Our biology and our appearance does not separate us from the animal kingdom. God developed some very elegant solutions to things such as vision, locomotion, um, blood flow, and the like. And so the, the joint in the knee, somebody will, well, there'll be these little Lamarckian, if you don't know what that is, you can look it up later, um, uh, graphs. And there's the knee of a human being, there's the knee of an ostrich, and there's, there's the, the wing joint of a, of a bat and such. And it'll say, see, they're all the same here. Well, th there's an elegant solution. I mean, do you have a better way for a knee to move? You know, at this point, we don't really have a better way for a knee to move. This is the way knees move. It's rather like watching, uh, if, if, you, if you know anything about art at all, you can tell a Van Gogh from a Renoir. They're, they have a different style. God has a style, and so he did make us uh, with, with blood and bits of bone and the like, yes. But we are different according to an ancient story. And God said, let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness so that they may rule over the fish and the sea and the birds and the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. And in the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Then the Lord formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. The difference between us and the animals is that they were spoken into being. We were handmade by God. And unlike the animals, God breathed into us. We became one of his family. We became a being in his image. And since that time, God has tried to impress upon us our value. He promised us one day he'd show us exactly how valuable we are. So in Isaiah 53, he sends his son, but ahead of time, he, he says, this is how it's going to work. Verses, and you need to know Isaiah 53 before you can really appreciate Christmas. The first three verses, Jesus will come and he will be like us. He will wear this skin. He will have to move with these bones and tendons and muscles. His joints will articulate just like ours. His heart will break. He will be happy. He will be sad. He will have breath issues he will have teeth issues he will have everything that people had at the time he will live in a world that tears people apart denigrates them refuses to assign them any value because they are not of rome and the ruling circles he will walk into a world where most tribes have a name for themselves that really if it's translated means the people no, we could do this with Native American tribes, for example. Navajo, Sioux, Shoshone. If you take a look at these names, almost every one of the names means the people. If you're us, you're the people. If you're them, you're not. Human beings have done this always. If you're this color, you're people. If you're that color, you're not. If you're like this, if you believe with us, if you agree with us, then you're okay. If you don't, then you're not. And it assigns people value in this arbitrary and sinful way. And so in verses 4 through 9 of Isaiah 53, Jesus will pay for us. 
You will pay a price for us, ultimate price. And then, verses 10 through 12, he will be rightly restored to the position he left to come here and live among us. And Paul would say essentially the same things, by the way, in Philippians chapter 2, have this same mind in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. You, it's the same story of Isaiah 53 because it's an important story. It's something we've really got to get into ourselves here. And we, and we could be forgiven for asking a very important question here. It, is God an idiot to pay that much for us? If you take a look at how human beings devalue each other, you would have to surmise that God's an idiot unless you have the belief in God that says he gets to decide what is true. He gets to decide what is valuable. And we do not. Why would he overpay? Why would he buy so much? Well, Jesus tells us, take a look at this. First of all, our value is far more than we realize. Jesus' own words, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? If you're wondering why people want to buy sparrows, it's complicated. Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. I love that. Look at that. Not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. What does the world want to tell you? You are not worth more than the world on which you walk or the animals here. In fact, what is the problem with the world? It's people. People are using its resources. People are breathing. People are stepping on stuff. People are eating meat. Uh, I had a lady once yell at me, meat is murder. And I'm going, no, no, um, no. If you believe killing the animal is an act of murder, fair enough. But the eating of it is merely disposal. Um, uh, that's, that's all that is. And I'm, people don't appreciate having their language sharpened. Um, and by the way, I... Uh, I have no problem with vegetarian, veganism, go for it. It's, it's fine. The point is, we are valuable. God says so, and the world keeps screaming, no, you're not, you're a problem. Hmm. Well, why would God love us so much? Well, he says, it's all about love. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Yesterday was the uh, Army-Navy football game, and as one of the commentators said, this game is different because everybody on the field to a person and all of those in the stands to a person would die for anyone who is watching it. That really changes your perspective on things, does it not? Well, God goes a step further. He didn't just die for us, if I'm allowed to use that, that juxtaposition of words. He also lives for us and wants us to understand it's about love. And love screws up all of the value charts. We love our children. Love drives us to have children. There are a lot of reasons not to have kids. For, you know, it comes down to sleeping, expenses, nagging. You know, that sort of thing. And I love my grandsons, but they refuse to sleep if they're in my house. Because they, that, that is a waste of playtime. One time, Cammie and I were so exhausted, we looked at the boys, that at that time aged uh, eight and six, and we said, 
Stay in bed until 7. Here is the clock. Stay in bed till 7. Well, by 6.30, 6.40, they were sitting on the top step going, 7, 7, trying to, get the, <laughs> trying to get the clock to go faster. Now, all that said, uh, we then get another grandkid and we're happy. And you could say, are you insane? No, because love changes the equation. Love makes this worthwhile. Love makes, gives us a reason for this. As we've learned from countless shows, like Antiques Roadshow and shows about pawn shops and restored cars and redone houses, something is worth what someone will pay for it. God is not an idiot. We are. We are the ones who don't understand the value of every single person, including our own value. If we understood it, maybe then we would not sell ourselves so cheaply. Maybe we would not settle for sex when we want love. Maybe we would not settle for noise when we want companionship and joy. Maybe we would not settle for presence, T.S., when what we really need is presence with a C.E. We just need you there. We don't need the stuff. My wife and I send out an annual little notice to the kids, don't buy us stuff, because all that means is we got to get rid of it before you put us in a home. So if you buy us something, buy us something you would like to have when we go into the home. Because we don't really need it, don't want to dust it or vacuum around it. What we, what we really like is you in the room. That's what we want. And no kid in the world gets that. But it's still true. We live in a world, we live in a universe that has switched the price tags around where we value the wrong things and devalue what is valuable. So when Jesus appears and the soul feels its worth, it changes everything. A thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees. Oh, hear the angel voices. Now why? Why is, there, why is there a response to fall on our knees? Now again, don't run ahead and grab theology. Just in the song, it is because somebody has come to tell you what you're worth. And what you're worth is far more than anything you ever thought it would be. I know I'm, at a, I know I'm growing old because I caught myself watching Antiques Roadshow the other day and paying attention. <laughs> These are not good signs. I don't, people say, I look there and I see stuff I used to have when I was a kid. I don't, I don't see any of that. And I really have zero interest in antiques. To me, it's just a really weird game show. And you have won nothing. You know, that sort of thing, right? <laughs> and they only show you the ones where we found this and it's worth $15,000. And you go, oh, I had no idea. Yeah, of course you did. Because security swarmed you and took you over here to the lit area so we could put you on TV. Then at the very end, they have the hall of shame where people say, we brought this in thing, it was worth a lot, it's not worth anything. When the expert tells you it's worth something, that's really what you got to go with. And God's the one who says what you're worth. But he also says what the person driving in front of you is worth. He also tells you what the person that's annoying you at Walmart is worth. He's, you know, I, I'm like you, I get frustrated. I do. I'll go to Walmart and, you know, they got 50, 
50 checkout things, it seems. Two are peopled. And so you look over at the scanning area and realize, oh, not only do I shop here, I have to work here. So <laughs> there I go. And even there, you get nagged. Put the thing in the bagging area. And, I, and so I'm, I'm having an argument with... Uh, with the same woman that seems to live in my phone and GPS. Uh, I'm <laughs> and God has to keep slapping me up the head saying, I hung as long on the cross for them as for you. Now we look at everyone differently. Look at this one. So for now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. We don't look at people the way we used to. It's not utility potential. It's not whether they va we value that type of person or they're in our way or they're like, no, 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 no. God made them and he says they are more precious than anything in the universe. Whenever you... Know the value of everything, everything changes. Racism ends, crime stops. You're not going to take stuff from people. You're not going to hurt people. You're not going to break their stuff. Heaven breaks into the present when you love people because of the way God loves us. And he says, that's what you're worth. How many of us would love to go back and spend more time with our children and spend less on them? How many of us wish we had more time with a parent or a spouse? How many of us wish we'd studied harder in school or tried harder to learn a sport or a language or a skill or an instrument? It's all because we did not realize the value of people and the value of our time. So we waste time. We didn't realize the value of the moment and now it's gone. How would knowing, how would know, you see, I want to make sure I'm phrasing that right. How would knowing the value of everything change the way you view today? Let's start by realizing that what God says about us and what God paid for us is realistic and based in fact. It is right and true and holy the night we found out what we are worth. And found out everyone else is worth that as well. And that we need to change the price tags on our planet. We need to say when Jesus was born, he said it right. And the preciousness of others changes everything. I'm going to step down here and uh, the team will come up in a bit. We're going to be a little slower getting into class maybe. Gary, uh, there, what's that? There is no class today because there not able to get the, the, the heaters going as properly. Okay, so just got the news. So, um, we're not going to have class, and you all can just go to Dickens. That sounded wrong. That sounded wrong. Um, I, uh, I, I might want to rephrase that somewhat. Um, I, I, find it, I find it interesting. It's too cold for class, so go outside and enjoy the rain and the... It's just, you know, like Scotland, so it is, yeah. But we're, we don't want the children to be cold, right? And so we got to take care of that. So God bless you. Would you please stand? This is your cause. This is your assignment. This is your holy mission. 
view others as precious. The preciousness of others is a phrase I want you to incorporate into your thoughts several times a day this week. The preciousness of others. The world wants you to be a crab. God calls you to be holy. Value the moment. Value presence, C-E. Value the holiness of life that has been given to you and given to all by dent of the love of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Remember, just as he who called you is holy, be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy.